Thank you for listening to Faith Worship Center's weekly sermon. If you'd like more information about our church and ministry, please visit faithworship.org. Thank you. Hi. How's everyone doing? Man, I'll tell you, we had a good time up in Maine. Always do, every year. But it's good to be back. We picked up our daughter, Mia, last night from Navy training. She um, has been away for several months. So we went to the airport, picked her up, brought her back for a couple weeks with us. It's going to be fun. Get to see her. And she graduated fifth in her class, top fifth. So amazed by that girl. And uh, it's been a good summer. Hasn't it been a good summer? Don't act like it's over? Well, it's been a good summer. I mean, some of you, I, I feel like I have, I feel like a dentist right now trying to fix you guys. You got to enjoy summer, all right? It's like, we're funny people. We, we complain when it's cold. We complain when it's hot. When it's cold, we turn the heat on so we stay warm. And when it's hot, we turn the air conditioner on so we stay cold. Have you ever thought of how strange that is? Uh, we love the summer. It's always, always good to be back. I'm, I'm going to call uh, Cindy up here. She's going to come up. Cindy leads our prophetic team. She's an amazing prophetic gal. And, and her and I are going to do a few prophetic fun times today. Have some fun prophetic activations. So we love this because I just talked to Cindy no more than four minutes ago and said, would you like to join me up front for some prophetic time? So this is the one thing about having the prophetic gift. It's just fun. You, it, you always get to have it. <laughs> All right. That is fun. So you want to go first? You want, need a mic? Bob, could you hand her a mic, please? Thanks. Okay. Good morning. Um, <laughs> this couple over there. Yes. Um, a couple in the back back there? Yes, yes. Hi. Hi. Um, are, are you married? He's your brother. He ain't heavy, he's your brother. <laughs> okay. Um, you guys, uh, you guys, uh, when I was walking past by you, you, you have, uh, oh my goodness, the presence of God, like almost like embrace. It, it, like... Um, when you're around people, just the way you are, it's like God embracing them. I don't know if you have led a, like a, a team with kids, you know, or discipleship or, or you know, mentor them, but you, you, just, you guys have that gift. Uh, it runs in your family. So I bless you with that. Good. Us. Gal right there. Yeah, and you got a striped shirt on. It's hard to see you because these lights are mine. Yes. Hi, what's your name? Hi, Christine. How are you? Like I say, I think we've met before, have we? We have. So I, I sense that there's a real hunger and a real longing in you that um, there's something that you're really, um, you're going after for in the kingdom of God. And it's like, it's not just a particular gift. It's more presence driven. You're just so hungry for his presence and just so 
longing for more of sensing him everywhere that you go and everywhere that you are. And I see like there's this um, beautiful like um, rainbow uh, beam that's over your head. It's like, it's like coming right down like a pillar right from heaven and encompassing you and just filling you with the multidimensional colors and creativity of the Lord. And so I just want to unlock that for you and, and make you aware of this, that this is really, this is God stirring this in you. It's like the Holy Spirit stirring this in you. There's like something that is coming that's really going to open and uh, launch you into a new element of creativity in uh, finding and securing his presence even more in your life. Bless you, Christine. Um, that guy over there with the kind of greenish mint shirt, uh, I, I just want to ask you a question. Did I give you a word before? I think you could talk to him in Spanish, um, I think. Yeah. Uh, okay, I think I did, right? For your mom? In the morning, I, I just don't have my glasses. Okay, well, it doesn't his, matter. He, ha he, no? he has a translator every week that sits next to him, so his oh. English is shaky. Oh. So see if he speaks in Spanish. Do you speak? ¿Hablas uh, español? Okay. Bueno, voy a hablarle en español. ¿Está bien? Okay. Uh, uh, yo siento que el Señor lo va a mandar a, a naciones de que el Señor va a hablar, abrir puertas para que usted hable del Señor. No sé, lo veo hablando como en una iglesia, no sé, so, el Señor está abriendo puertas para usted. Ajá. Good. Now, we're feeling totally unedified, most of us. <laughs> okay. So if you could just help the rest no, of us. I, I just see him like uh, going to the nations and, 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 and the, the Lord is uh, going to be opening doors for him to speak. And I see um, him speaking at, at, at a church. That's what I That think. is awesome. <laughs> he, and he re that really uh, confirmed something with him too. That's good. This beautiful family right here. Right, yeah, right here. You too. Hi. I'm the green shirt and the, the dress there. Um, what, what, what are your names? Jock and Gladys. And who? Is that your daughter, granddaughter? Granddaughter. Hi, Odessa. How are you? I really sense that there's a favor of the Lord on both of your lives, that you carry a, um, a, really, um, a really big heart for him, but he carries even a larger heart for you. And there's, his favor is on your life and has been on your life. I, I feel like there's like something to do with teaching, that you have like a, a teaching gift that he has put within you and that you're really clear when you uh, verbalize and when you teach. And um, it's okay uh, to be able to move out on that and to uh, step out and trust the Lord on that, that you're teaching, your granddaughter is here and um, she looks like a beautiful young girl, and uh, you you have been influencing people in your life for a good many years. And um, I just want to uh, bless you guys and just let you know how big of a heart God has for you. He just has a huge heart for you. He just loves you, and his favor's on your life. I also see that there's an unlocking of something financial. There's something coming to you financially that's going to be really big, 
there's like a, a release of a financial blessing or a, whether it's an inheritance or whatever, I sense that that's going to be happening to you. And just enjoy it. Just uh, have fun with it and, and rock with it. I bless you guys. Okay. Uh, this lady here, the middle of you, yeah, the, uh, you, you have such a joy. I mean, you like... Ask her name. Uh, what is your name? Rita. Rita. Okay, Rita. It's just such a joy that bubbles up in you. And uh, I, I see you dancing, and, and there is a, a, an authority when you dance to break things up. Uh, and there is a, a, like a warrior anointing that you carry in joy that, uh, that you can, you can like go through hard times and everything, but the joy of the Lord is your strength. And, and you carry that, and, and you, um, I, I sense that the Lord wants you to be aware of what you carry, uh, because that changes atmospheres. Whatever you go, the joy of the Lord, it changes. Yeah. Awesome. That's a good word. Good word. Dylan and Angela. Dylan, I feel like you just relocated someplace closer to here. Is that true? It's because Angela told me earlier. <laughs> you really thought I was reading your mail real good, huh? <laughs> but I am. I really just want to bless who you guys are. And I, I see something unfolding for you guys in the kingdom of God. Like there's... This is going to be a time for you to actually expand yourselves and really grow out into him and into his kingdom and become way more aware of him and who he is and way more aware of who you are. I see, I see like identity being downloaded to you from heaven as sons and daughters of the Most High God. And it's going to be a really exciting season for you guys. And we just want to bless you and love you both. That's good. Thank you, Cindy. Let's give a hand for Cindy. She's amazing. She carries such a good, good level of prophetic gift. I love her tremendously. Wow. Well, um, sounds like they're having church out in the cafe. Uh, wanna, I want to speak today about the depths of gratitude. And I really feel that there are some things I'm going to share in my heart today that I feel are seasonal right now for a lot of people in this room, but also for us as a body. And so I'm going to be sharing some things that, um, sharing some things that I, I feel will be an encouragement to a lot of you for, for where you're at right now, but it will also be an encouragement for the church body to understand exactly what's happening now and what season that we're in. And um, so we've, we've gone through many seasons in this church. I, I would like to say that over the last 30 years, it's all been one great season, but it hasn't been. I mean, we, we have had uh, our starting season, which was exciting and fun, and it was like the honeymoon of honeymoons with everybody. We were just all in love with each other, and everyone got along really great, and, and nobody had any problems. Well, I exaggerate when I say that, but... Um, it was just a really enjoyable season. It was fun. Everything was fresh and everything new was new. And then um, 
right around the sixth year, we started, we started hitting some bumps in the road and started finding out that people are real and people have real things going on in their lives. And, um, you know, there, there were some things that we had to work through with, with ourselves and with others. And um, we've had these various seasons. We hit renewal in 1994. In 1994, the power of God fell in this place, and it was absolutely life-changing and transformational. And we had meetings where a glory cloud would show up. And, I mean, it would just be so thick in here, you could hardly see people. The mist of the Lord and the presence of the Lord would be so strong. Um, we, we had a meeting one time where gold dust landed on all 70 people that were in a meeting. And we were all covered with it. It was on our hands, our foreheads. Many of you still remember these meetings. And they were just ex- extremely bizarre and extremely exciting at the same time and left you with the anticipation of what was to come. And we've gone through, um, you know, we uh, have gone through Father's Heart with Jack Frost in the 90s, you know, maybe the later 90s and, and 2000s, and, and we really started to understand the Father's Heart. And we, we went through the season of understanding the Father's Heart, and then we've gone through the season of understanding more about God's grace and, and uh, letting go of the law and, and clinging on to the freedom that comes through grace. And we've gone through a lot of seasons, and I feel like the particular season that we're in right now is a very unique season, and and uh, <laughs> I I, <laughs> I I just want to I, I want to be able to say that maybe your feelings are um, sending you all over the place in your thoughts and in your in your heart. And maybe there's some things that have been transitioning your lives where things aren't going the way you had hoped they would at this point in time in your life. Things aren't just exactly turning out the way that you thought uh, that they would turn out. And maybe there's a, like a, this, where is God in, in my life right now? Like, where is he? Uh, I, I know that he's there and he's always there, but I've sensed him stronger at other times. I'm not so sure what's happening now in uh, my life. And so that, this is kind of like for... Not everybody in, is, fits that bill in this place, but I feel like there are some people that you've, sent, you've found it easier to sense God at other times in your life than what you've been sensing Him lately. And it's like, what, what are you doing, Lord? What, what's next? What's happening right now? What's, I, don't, I don't, you know, there might be some of you feeling like, I don't really see God doing a lot right now. I've, I've seen Him do more in my past than I've seen Him do right now currently in my life. And I want to encourage you with, with uh, what you can do if you're in that season. And like I said, I don't think everybody in here is like that, but I, I think there are some questions that, um, that you might have, and I want to help with some of those questions. I also feel like this message is always a good message to, um, you know, to help us reevaluate um, and reconnect. I also want to say that I feel like in this message there's going to be an unlocking and uncovering of some of the schemes, uh, some of the lies of the enemy, in a sense that um, he's been very busy with lies uh, lately. I, I don't know how many of you have experienced this, but I've I've been experiencing this a lot, and it's like um, it's like there's just almost like an exhaustion that comes out of hearing these lies constantly about yourself or about others or about the church or about what, whatever, work, whatever. It could be any 
number of sorts of places that you know he might be whispering lies and I feel like there's a there's a responsibility on our part are you guys with me on this am I doing a solo talk today I this happens to me every time I get back on vacation I have so much that's stored up and it just starts bubbling out and I, I just want I want to be able to say to you guys that while he's a liar he's defeated he could have all sorts of lies that he's pulling out on you in this season. And it's quite possible he's been doing that. And the reason he does that is because he doesn't like you. <laughs> I mean, he actually hates you, you know? He's like, oh, no, they woke up again today. How can I throw a lie at him to push him down a little bit? And um, I feel like even like at night, some of you are waking up. Uh, at night, and you've, heard, you've just heard a lie in a dream, or you've just heard a lie about somebody in a dream, and it's, it put a bad impression on your heart and on your mind. And I just want to tell you, that's a key identifier that, that the devil is trying to hit you and affect you with a lie, because Jesus never accuses another brother or a sister. He never brings an accusation through a dream, and he never brings an accusation in life for another brother and sister. That's always, he, the devil is the accuser of the brethren. So if you ever have an accusational dream, and I've had a couple of the last, um, you know, last few weeks where I wake up and it was about someone that was just like, whoa, what the heck? Why are they doing that? And then I realize, oh, wait a minute, that was not a God dream. That was the enemy planting a lie about that person. Okay? Do you all, I think I'm, I might be singing to the choir in a lot of places with some of you, but that's, that's really how you can detect that the enemy's been active in your life. It's not discernment, folks. Oh, I discern something about that person. No, it's not discernment. That is, that is an accusation, and it is a lie. So I feel like in this time, there's, there's just a lot of this stuff that's going on. And um, we're, you know, our whole part as a ministry and our part, my part as, uh, you know, carrying, carrying a heart for the Lord and for New England and, and for what's going on this, uh, you know, at this point in time, my whole heart is, let's just, hey, you know what? Let's just kick butt on the devil. Let's just kick his butt. I mean, why should he be kicking ours, right? Why should he be the one doing all the lies and us just buying it? He's a deceiver. He's a, Jesus called him a father of lies. So let's, let's just kick his butt back with the truth. Now, let's just tell them, you're defeated. You got nothing. You're out of ammo. The cross wrecked you. The resurrection of Jesus Christ wrecked you. You have nothing left. And I don't know about you, but I am so thankful for the grace and love of God. I am so thankful for the grace and love of God. And I found myself over, I'd say probably over a, a three-month period of time wrestling internally uh, with some things in my own life and just feeling like, you know, really, what do you have to account for? You know, what are you, what are you doing? You have this small little church in Pepperell. You know, you're, you're with 
you know, you're with some great people, but what significant change are you really making on their lives? And I notice I'm just, I told you I was going to be vulnerable and just spout some stuff, okay? So this is what I'm doing. Because if you think you're the only one that has lies told to you, you've you got another thing coming. Uh, you know, I realize the devil hates me. He doesn't like me. He doesn't like what we've done here. So I know why he'd try to get it. But for the last few months, there's been a little snag in me. I don't know how it got there, where it got there. I don't know if it's something back in my childhood or whatever. But something began to become gullible to this stuff. And I begin to really weigh myself and go, hmm, I'm coming up lacking. I, I just feel like I'm lacking in a lot of areas. And then it's just like I woke up. Like last week, as recent as last week, I woke up to something and I realized what it was. And so I want to share a little bit of things that I believe the Lord has, uh, has showed me um, to help you guys to understand the season that you're in. And, and it's definitely helped me. So if you've been feeling like you're just like the lies are winning on your life right now, this is definitely going to help you. If you haven't been feeling that way, this will still help you. Luke chapter 21, uh, verse 17 to 19. I'll be reading out of the Passion Translation. I'm going to have fun with this verse because it, 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 it's, it's a, an incredible truth, and yet it's been taken to extremes on, on all ends. Luke 21, 17 to 19. You will be hated by all because of my life in you. But don't worry. <laughs> I just love Jesus. He's so cool. He just throws things out there that just are cool. You'll be hated by all, but don't worry. I mean, that's just, you got to imagine these guys. They're just sitting with them. They're having dinner, whatever, you know, and, and he just pulls this one out of his hat. You'll be hated by all, but don't worry. And a lot of people, a lot of Christians do things on purpose to be hated. I don't know if you've noticed that, but I have noticed that over the time. It's like a strange pattern that develops in people. They just say, well, Jesus said, we'll be hated by all. So they do something stupid, and somebody hates it, and they say, see, it's because of Jesus. And it's like, no, if you're doing something stupid, it's not because of Jesus. Own your stuff. You did something stupid. Own it, you know? And, and don't walk around with this martyrdom syndrome of, well, they just, you know, they didn't like what I told them because Jesus is the one that told them. No, and that's really not what Jesus is saying. In the context of what he's saying this in and the timing that he's telling his disciples this is right at the time before his betrayal. So it's just before the time of the cross. And what he's telling them, basically, is what he's telling them, I believe, what he's telling them, it's not going to be safe for you. People are going to be looking for you to kill you. They're going to be hunting you down because of me. Because in this hour that's coming, they're going to crucify me. They're going to kill me. They're going to take me away from you. And you're going to be next in line. This is what I believe Jesus was saying. You're going to be next in line. And then he says this, but don't worry. And this is the part that believers should be hanging on to more than the other part that you're going to be hated by all. But for some reason, you're going to be hated by all sticks more than this other part. Don't worry. But don't worry, my grace will never desert you or depart from your life. All 
Someone say, thank you, Jesus. Oh, no matter what season, if, let, let me tell you something right now, all right? In fact, I would just like to, to know, if you have been lied to a lot and you feel like God has passed you by or you feel like a season in your life used to be better and you're kind of like winding down until the end right now and you feel like you don't really carry signs and wonders like you used to be able to, you, when you pray for the sick, they're not getting healed as much. But when you try to witness to someone, it falls flat and uh, they slap you in the face and you just say, they hate they hate me because I hated Jesus. You know, if there's anybody in here that is feeling like you've just been, lies have just been hurled on you, I, I'd like you to stand to your feet right now. You just feel like you've just been bombarded with lies. We got one bold person in this room, two, three, four, five, yeah. You just feel like there's just a lot, you've been getting hit a lot. It's getting tiring and exhausting for you to hear all this stuff of how lousy you are and how not good you are. All right, good. Father, right now, in Jesus' name, I release them from the lies of the enemy, and I speak the truth of God's heart over their lives, that they are loved and beloved, and they are chosen and appointed by God, and that your words are true for their life, that your grace will never leave them and never forsake them, and you will ne never depart from them, and they will never have a dead or dry or old season because of your grace, and every day for them, new mercies will flow. Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. He says, My grace will never desert you or depart from your life, and by standing firm with patient endurance, you will find your soul's deliverance. Now, that word patience, endurance, it actually means uh, more of a sense of prayer. And that sense of prayer is more of a sense of connection. Connection with him. I, I feel like when it comes to talking about prayer, a lot of Christians, they, they kind of shut down. It's, it's kind of like why I titled this message, um, you know, The Depths of Gratitude. Because if I'd have called it The Depths of Prayer, I might have lost you in the very beginning. So, but a lot of people, they think about prayer is... Uh, it, it feels monotone to them. It feels like they're the one always doing the talking. And, you know, they always have to talk. And I've been in many prayer meetings with uh, believers, and I've experienced many of these prayer meetings, and maybe some of you have, but I've experienced many prayer meetings where it becomes, it becomes more of a verbalized worry meeting than it becomes a prayer meeting. Because we believers like to verbalize our worries, and who better to do that to than God, you know? And I think, I think a lot of believers have this concept of prayer that it's, I, you know, I've got to get my stuff off somehow, and so i just got to release it. And I think that's why a lot of their prayer life is monotone. And I'm not saying there's, I'm not saying God doesn't like that. He likes to hear from me at any point in time about anything. And I do feel like there is a need sometimes for us to verbalize our worries to God. Because cast all your cares upon him means cast all your cares upon him. And if you have some cares that are going on in your life, then a lot of times those cares, are, they, they cycle around worry. And I feel like there's this need for us to be honest with God. And we need to be able to talk to Him. And we need to be able to sit with Him. And we need to be able to share with Him from our hearts and not be worried if we're using the wrong words or if we're saying the wrong things. You know, and I think, I think a lot of people in the, area of, um, in the area of faith and really pressing into God and really going for the faith thing, I think a lot of people in that area, they get worried about praying doubt or worried about 
praying worry, or they get worried. And I, I like what Steve and Wendy Backlund say. They just say worry with God, you know. Worry how he worries. And, and I feel like there's this need for us in the church to be real about prayer, but to be real to a point that we understand, okay, we may be, we may be giving an outlet to our worries and an outlet to our fears and an outlet to our doubts. We may be giving that to the Lord. But when it says to cast all your cares upon him because he cares for you, he's not going to leave you in that state of worry. In other words, if you're going to worry in prayer, cast them to him and leave them with him. Why keep wasting your time and his time continuing to say the same worries over and over again? If you have to say it over and over again, you're not casting. <laughs> oh, it's okay. I, I, I know. I, I, I've done it, so it's okay. I'll I, I, I be honest with you. I, I, I would be lying if I told you I haven't done this. You know, I've done this. I think we've all done this, and I think it's, it's okay to be honest about this, and I think God knows we've done it. And I think he still loves us and likes us in spite of it. But I'm just telling you, there is a higher dimension of prayer that we can step into. And it says, by standing firm with patience and endurance, which I believe does mean prayer, you will find your soul's deliverance. Now, I love this because it's like, that's the whole key to this. When we get in with God, Jesus said to go into your closet and pray to your father who sees in secret. When we get in with him, it's a secret encounter. So why try to pretend, right? Yeah, we do it. We try to pull the wool over his eyes, and it's pointless. When you go into your prayer closet with Father, get with Father because he really loves you, he really likes you, and he wants to hear from you. But he doesn't want to just hear your words. He doesn't want to hear your right words. He doesn't want to hear your theological words. I know, they are really good, the theological words, right? He doesn't just want to hear from you in all your rightness. He wants to hear from you where you are. From your heart. Now, how many of you have ever heard the heart talk? No, your mouth talks. Your heart doesn't talk. It beats. But your mouth does all the talking. And there's, what I believe, what I believe is that there are three dimensions of prayer. And I believe that a lot of believers get stuck on the first two. I think it was Chris Ballatin that first opened my eyes to understand this, that there's a dimension of the intellect, there's a dimension of the emotions, and there's a dimension of the spirit. And all three of these can be active in, in our prayer life. But if only two of them are active, intellect and emotion, which I believe a lot of Christians get stuck on those two when they, when they come through prayer, it's like I'm praying with my head. I'm praying how my head thinks. You know, I'm praying with my emotions. My heart's been hurt. I've been bruised. I've been wounded. And now I'm going to pray with my emotions. And if they get concentrated on those two areas, then they'll, they'll miss the third one, which is this, this act of spiritual prayer. And I feel like the act of spiritual prayer is very, very important for believers, especially for the area of, uh, for the soul's deliverance. Luke chapter 22, in 40 to verse 46, 
When he came to the place, he said to them, Pray that you may not enter into temptation. And he was withdrawn from them about a stone's throw, and he knelt down and he prayed, saying, Father, if it is your will, take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. And then an angel appeared to him from heaven, strengthening him. I love this verse. This is a very powerful verse. I don't know why believers are against angels appearing to them in prayer meetings or uh, in intercessory meetings. I don't understand that at all. I don't understand why believers are against angels appearing at all. If they did it in the Bible, what, why would they all of a sudden stop when the Bible was finished being written? I believe they still appear today, and I believe they are still ministering uh, spirits that minister to us and help us and assist us. And I think a lot of times we don't recognize their help, but they're helping us nonetheless. Thank God for his grace. <laughs> Amen. So they appeared to him and ministered to him. Uh, and being, being in agony, he prayed more earnestly. Then his sweat became like great drops of blood falling down to the ground. And when he rose up from prayer and he came to his disciples, he found them sleeping from sorrow. And then he said to them, Why do you sleep? Rise and pray, lest you enter into temptation. Now, I've read this passage many, many, many times throughout my 40 years of being a believer, and I've heard this passage preached on, and, and there's some things in here that I, I really begin to you know, look at and the biggest thing is, is, have you ever wondered what the temptation he was talking about is? They're in a garden. What possible temptations are in a garden? Flowers going to tempt you, or the olive trees maybe? A grapevine? I, I don't know. Like, what, what is he saying? And, and it's like... They're in a golive. They're, uh, they're in a garden on the Mount of Olives. And it's the Garden of Gethsemane. And Jesus is praying. And he's earnest in his prayer. And he's twice told them, pray that you will not enter into temptation. And have you ever wondered what the temptation that he's talking about is? I feel what he was telling them because of the timing of this event. He is in a place where he knows his crucifixion is coming. He knows that they're going to do all sorts of bad things to him, that they're going to beat him, they're going to hang him on a cross, they're going to kill him. And he knows this is that hour. And I believe what he's telling them is not necessarily a temptation in that moment of time. But I believe what he's telling them is that the temptation is going to be there for you that I'm gone and it's all over. So he's telling them on a spiritual level, he's coming to them on a spiritual level about something that's going to happen in the natural. And he's basically saying, pray that you won't enter in temptation. And I believe the temptation for them would be that he's gone. It's all over. And you have to understand where their hearts were at because their hearts were like, he's the Messiah, he's going to deliver Israel. He's going, to, he's going to be the one that sets us as a nation strong and powerful and mighty again. And he knows he's going to die the next day. He knows it's going to happen. And he's telling them, be careful. 
and pray. Watch and pray that you enter not into temptation. Because when they see him on that cross, when they see the end result of what is going to happen in his life, they're going to be hit with all sorts of doubts and all sorts of lies. There's just going to be an, an unleashing of all kinds of lying stuff from darkness. The, the dark realm is going to become active. It's going to be powerful in that season. And these guys don't even know what's coming. They're in a garden. And Jesus is talking about, be careful and don't fall into temptation. And they're like going, what is he talking about? Okay, so we're tired and, and we weren't able to stay awake while we prayed? Is that what he's talking about? And that's what most people do with this passage. Most preachers preach in this passage. When you're in your prayer closet, don't fall asleep because you're entering into temptation, you know. And it's like, no, that's not what Jesus is talking about. He's talking about something much bigger. Something that's going to be coming their way where they're going to feel like they've been abandoned. They've been left. Their dreams are shattered. He has died. He is gone. All that they've believed and followed for the last three and a half years has now come to an end. It's now over. It's now finished. And where are they going to go? Back to their fishing boats. What's going to happen to them? They're going to be sought after. They're going to be persecuted. They're going to be next. And the temptations that Jesus is talking about is you're going to come under, you're going to come under an influence of darkness. That if you're not careful and you're not watching and you're not prepared for this, if you're not praying and connected to my Father in heaven, this thing is going to bombard you and it's going to, it's going to throw you for a kilter. And he's telling them, pray that you won't enter into that temptation. And I feel like those words are just as active and just as good for us today. Whatever season that you might be in, I don't know. Whatever season you might be coming into, I don't know. Like I said in the beginning, we've gone through many seasons in this church. In each and every season, we've always been found hungry, longing, anticipating what God is doing. Worshiping him for who he is and lifting up his name. And in every season, doesn't matter what the season is. Are you guys hearing me? It doesn't matter what the season is. It doesn't matter what your feelings and your emotions are trying to do to you right now and how many lies are affecting those feelings and emotions. It doesn't matter. Be found persevering and looking to God and looking to his presence and looking to his glory. Be found looking at him. So, well, I've had better things happen in my Christian life or that I feel like the, you know, I just feel like the church is missing it all together and that the leadership is missing it and people are missing it. I just feel like everything's falling apart. No, you're just feeling junk. That's all you're feeling is junk. You're going by an emotional thing. You're going by an intellectual thing. But when you go by the, the aspect of spiritual prayer, you are connected to heaven. When you're connected to heaven, you get eternal bliss. You get eternal bliss when you connect to the Father. It's like, it's like, why would we want to connect to all the other junk? I feel like the pastor's a little off, you know. Like, connect to heaven. Stop looking at your pastor. Stop looking at the believers around you. Connect to heaven. This is what Jesus is saying. Don't enter into the temptation of all the stuff that's going on down here. Stay connected, pray, keep connected to the Father. 
He's got you. And just to confirm this in Luke chapter 22, he goes on. I, I really believe this message is so hidden inside of here. And just to confirm it, he goes on in Luke 22, verse 52. He says, Then Jesus said to the chief priests, captains in the temple, and the elders who, came, uh, who had come to him, Have you come out as against a robber with swords and clubs? When I was with you daily in the temple, you did not try to seize me. And then he says this, But this is your hour. And the power of darkness. Man. You talk about what Jesus was telling them in the garden. And then Jesus now before them. And he's saying, this is the hour of the power of darkness. The power of darkness. And this is what Jesus is saying. Pray that you enter not into temptation. Because the power of darkness was for that hour. And let me tell you, it was dark at that hour. I, I believe that they experienced more power of darkness in that hour than we've ever experienced and will ever experience ever again as a human generation or a human people. In that hour, at that moment, darkness had power. And the moment Jesus hung on the cross and said, it is finished, darkness lost all its power. I, I, I hope that you would refute any believer who would tell you, and this is your hour of the power of darkness. See, the enemy is powerful. He is, the darkness is powerful. The darkness is not powerful. Let me tell you, I don't know about you, but we have electricity now. They didn't even have that back then. They had candlelight. But when they lit a candle, the darkness dissipated. Now we flick a switch. It happens even faster. Light is always more powerful than darkness. Always. And who do we carry? Jesus, the light of the world, the hope of glory. You are like a ticking power bomb. You stay connected through prayer with your Father. You persevere through the junk, okay? I'm telling you right now, you get a bunch of lies, whatever, who cares? Nobody's going to feel sorry for you of entertaining lies. They've never felt sorry for me. I've tried to get them to feel sorry for me. You know, but they just kind of look at me like, huh? It's like, the lie has no power over your life. You're the light of the world. You got light of Jesus Christ in you. He is shining bright. You don't have to fear the darkness. You don't have to be afraid. Bob's message on fear last week was incredible. It's like, you know Challenge the lies with the truth of who you are. Stand up. <laughs> I'll just be, uh, I have other scriptures, but I'm going to be wrapping up with this one, and I, I feel like this is probably um, a really good scripture to end on, and then we're going to have a, a nice little fun activation. We're just going to have fun today. How many want to have fun? Okay, it's still morning, so we're still within Lori's words. It's going to be a great morning. We're still in that time frame. First Thessalonians chapter 5, 16 to 18. Let joy be your continual feast. 
Oh, I love this one. Make your life a prayer. In the, in the midst of everything, give thanks. And this is how he says this. Make your life a prayer. In the midst of everything, give thanks. Do you know what I feel like the biggest challenge today for a lot of believers is? Is to remain grateful and thankful. Well, it, I mean, it is, maybe it feels better to complain about things. I don't know. Maybe it feels like you're doing something active when you complain about something. But let me tell you, you're doing something active when you remain joyful, when you make your life a prayer and continually give thanks. I possibly think one of the reasons that I love summer so much, the coffee tastes so good in the morning, sitting outside overlooking a yard and a garden, it just tastes so much better than seeing snow and ice and all that and having to be stuck inside for however many months in New England we're stuck inside. But I think even aside from that, just because it turns winter, it doesn't, it doesn't mean I don't have my coffee, and it doesn't mean I don't sit down and become contemplative with the goodness of God. Because I'm very thankful for His goodness. I'm very thankful for His grace. I'm extremely thankful that His grace will never leave me, and will never leave you, and will never leave this church. Well, what if everybody rejects God? Why do you even want to think like that about everybody? I mean, why would you even think that people are rejecting God? What, is your horse so high above everybody else that you don't sit on the pot and do your stuff? Did I just say that? Cool. And I tell you, when it comes down to it, we all brush our scabby teeth in the morning. And hopefully we all have showers every day. Some of us, like myself, need it twice a day. Get all that dead stuff off. Can't stand the feeling of the dead, clammy skin. But I'm just saying, I take a shower, you take a shower, the person next to you takes a shower. If they don't, then you're aware of it. We all, all of us, have our stuff. There's nobody in this room that's greater, bigger, higher, and more mighty than you. Make your life a prayer. Continue to be thankful. I'm very contemplative. I like contemplative prayer. Now, I, I also make my requests known to God, but my prayer life is not about just making requests. My prayer life is sitting in the goodness of God with a nice, warm cup of coffee in the morning and just sitting there and just not saying a single word. 
but letting my heart communicate his goodness and who he is. Could you all stand with me at this time? I, I just would like to do this fun activation. Smile at me for a moment. Tell me you love me. So good. All right. Thank you. You guys are awesome. I love you too. I really do. Um, I want you to put your hand on your heart and on your head. Simon says, hand on your heart and on your head. There are children in here. They'd love this activation. My heart and my head belong to the King of Kings. Just say it. Say it again. My heart and my head belong to the King of Kings. Now say it like nobody else is in the room. King of Kings. This is what you call blessing yourself. It's a form of prayer. Not all of us are really used to it. But you are blessed. Your heart and your head are blessed. They're sacred ground. Just thank the Lord for blessing you. Thank you for blessing me, Lord. Father, thank you so much for being such a good dad a loving Father. I thank you, God, there's not a single person in this room who's rejected, forsaken, or left. I thank you, Lord, that you have not left any of us orphans, that we are children of God, loved dearly by you. I just thank you for wasting us right now with your love and for the visitation of your presence in this house, Lord. I just thank you so much. You're not worried upon your throne, even if we worry upon ours. You are glorious and good and always holding nothing but blessing and favor in your hand towards us. Amen. Amen.